0: It's more about training people to not attempt to try to process and understand everything but to try and get a general sense about what it is that's been said because you can figure out what the message is without necessarily understanding what all the words are
1: there and welcome to another episode of the More Than English podcast. I'm your host Jesse and this is season 2 episode 2 and I'm glad to invite back Dr. Peter Cross with a PhD in Applied Linguistics. We're gonna be talking about his data, what he has been doing as far as research in the EFL and ESL fields, his research his papers his books that he's contributed in and written and how that applies to us in the classroom and what how we can use his research in the classroom that's what we're going to talk about today this episode is a little longer than, well, a lot longer, like three times longer than a typical More Than English podcast, well, at least from the first season. Let's see how the second season goes. They might normally be this long, but this one is about an hour and a half, so buckle in if you need to pause it and take a couple listens and, and whatever, jump around, feel free to do that. Other than that, let's get into it, because this isn't just English, it's More Than English. Let's go. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the More Than English podcast. I am excited about today because for one, there's two different things that are going on. For one, the video format that's going on YouTube. And for two, I have we have our first returning guest, and I'm delighted to have Dr. Peter Crosswith here. If you're not familiar with Dr. Peter Crosswith, uh, let me give you a brief summary of, of his credentials and see if I got this right. So for one, don't try to spell his name without double checking it, but Dr. Peter Crosswith, he is a lecturer at the School of Languages and Culture at the University of Queensland, that is in Australia. He is a former assistant professor at the Center for Applied English Studies, that's easy for him to say, but not me, in the University of Hong Kong. He's also, he has his master's in TESOL from the University of London, and his PhD in Applied Linguistics from the University of Cambridge. What that's
0: He's he's a really cute guy as well, you know. (laughs) And he's what?
1: We're getting there. Just, and, just to top uh, it
0: off, right? What's <laughs> that? Just to top it off. It's like not, all, not only does he have all that, but he's also a really cool guy as well.
1: Uh, and he, <laughs> <laughs> he anyway. loves pro wrestling too. You can't top that, but we have some cherries yeah, on the top too. He's lived and taught English in South Korea, England, Hong Kong, Australia, and I may be missing some places. Where have you lectured? Yeah.
0: Uh, I've done a few, well, I've done a lot of presentations in, in many different countries. I've uh, been to China a number of times, Philippines, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, uh, you name it. Chances are there's been a talk there or a talk coming up in the near future. Indonesia is the next big place. Especially
1: in Asia. Asia. Your focus mostly is in Asia, correct?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, and that's simply like a question of numbers. There are just far more English learners in Asia than any other part of the world. So naturally, you go where, you, you go where the people uh, where the demand is.
1: That's
0: it. That's it.
1: And there's more. He was one of my first co-workers and the resident veteran in my first English teaching job. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> He's
1: one hell of a guy, too. Yeah. uh some of his contributions <laughs> i was gonna favorite. list actually your contributions and published work like write them out until i saw that there are about 400 things here so
0: i couldn't yeah, write out all of these, so. on the powerpoint sorry but yeah
1: just the cliff's notes uh published work in four books uh one chapter in a book journal articles published journal articles conference papers 26 and two theses. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and his
0: PhD.
1: areas of expertise, which we're going to learn what these mean, if you're unfamiliar, because uh, I'm going to need some brushing up, too, or I'm going to need some some explanation. Corpus linguistics, that's an area of expertise. The use of corpora for language learning, and that's data-driven learning, and English for general and specific academic pers- purposes. These are his that's areas right. of yeah. expertise, and we're going to find out what those mean today and how we can use those in the classroom.
0: Okay. How would I do? That's uh, you kind of captured most of it in, the, in a nutshell, uh, That's but that's something that has been building up over the last, what, almost, what, 15 years since we first met. Uh, yeah. We both started in the same place, you know, and I... I did well. <laughs> I don't know what happened to you.
1: I, I'm still trying to figure it
0: out. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's it. I, just, I just ruined the, the whole And we,
1: we also were talking before we went on the air that you're um, yeah. getting into Muay Thai. So you're a trained killer as well.
0: Well, yeah. Um, it 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 helps. Uh, it, it, instead of taking it out on the children, you take it out on the punch bag instead. <laughs>
1: That's much <to> healthier. <laughs> if you have
0: anger, it? if if you have, if you have anger issues, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> no steel chairs in that though. No oh, car. Could you imagine off the top rope at least? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. Um. No, I think you pretty much got everything there. Um. Up to. Kind of current practice, and I guess the main thing to take away is just that I've been in a lot of different places, seen a lot of different things, and in terms of um, getting my view on how um, how to approach these different topics for these different areas of English language learning, is something that I do have a lot of experience with, and uh, my I think all of that experience combined um, just. Kind of gives me a different perspective on things, and I see a lot of people trying to do things and trying to repeat things and the same, trying to do the same thing over and over again. Um, but I think that doesn't work. That the, that there's a lot of there's a lot of things that people are doing that just don't work, and then people. For example, to
1: can you think of one example? Like oh, the biggest stuff. example, maybe that you see and it's like kind of makes you you're
0: like, oh, what are you doing? Mm. Okay. Well, it would be like,
1: listen and repeat exercises, B1.
0: Well, of course. I mean, um, this is something that say, for example, people uh, are heavily into these language learning apps at the moment. Uh, Apps like Duolingo, for example, uh, still one of the most popular apps that are out there. Uh, Lots of other type of apps for children doing language learning, things like that. And a lot of these, the way that these apps work is still very much on that listen and repeat, listen and memorize type of instruction. And you're not really doing anything with the language at all. So that as soon as you pass the tests and you learn the points and leveled up or whatever, you're getting these, these achievements, but the achievements don't really mean anything because as soon as you put down the app and somebody says, okay, what did you learn? Uh, Chances are, you're not going to be able to produce anything meaningful or anything beyond what you've memorized so uh, the even though the technology is very new the actual the mode of instruction is still taking us back to like 60 70 years ago um there's there's really nothing That's a good novel point. with it. so there kind of the same thing points. about
1: as yeah. like uh, um like when we used to buy cds or language learning cds or cassette tapes before that something it's just kind of like an updated form of that right
0: i mean in a way um it's good that in one thing that they do very well is that they bring uh people together they motivate people to learn languages who probably wouldn't ordinarily have much motivation the fact that you can do it anywhere anytime is a really good factor because a lot of people these days just don't feel that they don't have time to do very much at all uh, they go they go to work they go home they got families or they got extra studies and they got maybe the what half an hour in the day to learn language so in that way they are pretty convenient but it, it's when you see these the, the claims that these software providers make that you're going to learn English within or, or another language within six months is uh, something that uh, a little bit misleading and people should be aware of that
1: that's true that's a good point they but like you said there is they do have their benefit getting that um like constant contact that daily contact and like you said motivation are you familiar with pimsleur it was a big thing a few years ago
0: no i'm afraid not the what pimsleur, is that
1: it's a kind of like listen and repeat but with like regular conversation it's mostly geared toward like traveling language Like, where's the hotel? Um, You know, how do I order food? Things like that. I did that for a while in the beginning of living here um, in Spain. And that helped me a lot. But I was also living here. So I had that contact and I was able to practice what I learned.
0: I think as long as it's... As long as the goal is that kind of very basic survival English or survival Spanish or whatever it is, but very, very basic things like going to the restaurant or getting a train or something like that, these apps will help you uh, with that. But as soon as you get into anything more involved uh, in the form of even the most basic of conversations, then you're going to run into trouble.
1: Sure. Sure, especially listening. Listening, I found with students is, you know, they could read and study grammar, but listening to actual people talk, they get stumped up. I have a student who just asked me to teach her that is dealing with that. It's
0: it's a real uh, cognitive process. It's a very complex task and it depends what you're listening for. So a lot of people, when they think of listening, they're not thinking about listening to conversations, but they're thinking about listening tests. Listening tests ask you to do very specific things. So you'll listen to a passage. You're supposed to get a general idea about what happened, and then there may be some specific language points, or you might get those kind of true-false-not-given type questions. And actually, that kind of listening is very difficult, even for native speakers of the language. I mean, I have trouble getting those questions right if I listen to those kind of tests. So listening for tests and listening to conversation are two very different things. Listening to conversation um, at a lower level, it's not really, I think what people get hung up on is that they, they come to a passage that they don't understand or maybe there's a sentence where they're not sure about every single word in the sentence. And then at that point, they've kind of reached a limit of what they can understand. And then the panic starts to set in and then at that point, they, you've lost them. So it's more about training people to not attempt to try to process and understand everything, but to try and get a general sense about what it is that's been said. Because you can figure out what the message is without necessarily understanding what all the words are. Uh, and then there's a lot of negotiation for meaning that can happen during listening as well. If you're in an actual conversation with someone, um, and you, and you want to express that you don't really understand what was said. I mean, there are all kinds of little cues that will go off between you as the listener and the person who's doing the speaking uh, in actual conversation. If you can see each other,
1: yeah, there'll be, S- there'll S- be yeah. facial cues. Be facial. There'll be
0: hand, there'll be hand signals. That's that just like that. Yeah. Um, and if you can't see each other, there'll be pauses. There'll be hesitations. There'll be things. That are happening during that dialogue where it's signaling to somebody that they don't understand, I mean even even a, a pause of like say three seconds in response to a question in a in a normal conversation, that would be very unnatural, so then somebody will uh, at that point, if there is a pause, the other speaker will, will try and repair that you know so um, one thing to do is to is to listen to actual conversations, people. Because if you're just relying on like tape scripts and recorded audio that is written to be spoken, then what you don't get is that real kind of interaction in a, what, of what happens in a real conversation where people are trying their absolute best to get these messages across. And there's a number of strategies within that that are very important that can be taught these kind of conversational repair strategies, for example, that can be really useful for second language learners, even at a very low level, because they can employ these strategies then to repair the conversation and to keep things going. Um, And part of that is listening as well as speaking.
1: Yeah, and asking questions.
0: Yeah, I mean, questions. It's 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 also the kind of questions. I mean, a question can be like, "Uh uh-huh, or it can be, um what did you say that? or you, could you repeat that or uh maybe you try to um rephrase the paraphrase the sentence that they just said and then see if that makes sense when you play it back in a way um there's lots of different things that if you study lots of interaction um between people and have maybe have that on a, on a in the form of a video with an accompanying uh script uh, and if the script has details that show some of the extra linguistic things that are going on like the pauses or the gestures and things like that by studying that very rich data you can get an idea about what's actually happening when people communicate and people have- know how to do this in their first language but when it comes to the second language they may not understand the different cues that say, a native English speaker would use or the different kind of repair strategies because these things work differently across cultures.
1: Would having a script of a, of a conversation or of a listening be valuable in a classroom, like for a class exercise, or, or is that a little too much?
0: It depends on the nature of the class. So if you're with a class of children, that would never work. Um, if you're if you with a group of adults who are at a reasonably, say, intermediate level of proficiency and they want to study some specific repair strategies or ways to keep the conversation going, then, yeah, by all means, I think that would be a good idea. So actually, I mean, very often what happens is, and this is one of the amusing things when you think about it, is that a lot of people end up going to English conversation classes, right? But all they do is they just talk during the class. And that's like, that's the conversation class. But very what I try to do sometimes, and this is going back 10 years, even in my kind of last few years in Korea, I was trying to do this, is that we'd actually study a conversation. How would you study
1: a conversation?
0: Well, one of the things I did was I actually used uh, Simpsons episodes. And I mean, these are not Definitely. real conversations, but I would have the video and the script and then I would play the video, I get people to go down the script and mark out things they weren't sure about, and then we try to give them some explanation. And then we try to get them to reconstruct that in their own words. Um, if they weren't if they weren't comfortable using the words from the script. So they figure out what the dialogue was actually about, what the different sides were trying to do in that dialogue and try to reconstruct that themselves. Uh, so the language itself is treated more like an object of study, like we actually studied it instead of just chatting to each other, mm. so when you think about a conversation class sometimes the, the the actual studying the language of on paper is it can be a useful exercise um it's not it's, I wouldn't recommend it for all types of learners, but certainly I find that you reach a stage usually at intermediate level where you've done pretty much all you can with your, with your, your basic approach to language learning, but then to get to the advanced level, you see, you need to actually study a little you
1: bit. You need to put time. in some like some hard yeah, work like, there, right? Well, actual. Like, yeah. Anything. And it's not,
0: and it's not just a case of practice makes perfect because you can practice for the rest of your life and never be perfect. Um, whether you ever want to be perfect or not is a story for another time but then at least the, I find that sometimes you actually have to study the, 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 the language and the and if you want to learn how to have a conversation study how to have a conversation like study the strategies that are involved and the different processes that are involved in that and a lot of that is culture specific and a lot of it is language specific as well and um, it's very useful to teach even lower-level learners some of these strategies, so that they don't just freeze like a deer in headlights whenever they get into a conversation with a native speaker, and the conversation suddenly goes on to something that they hadn't memorized. Mm. And then, I might you know, even I argue that it before. might
1: be—I might even argue it might be more important for lower-level students to yeah. start, and for teachers of of lower-level classes to start having more genuine, authentic material practice in lower level classes so they don't get these fossilized errors.
0: That's it, yeah. So the deal with fossilization is that the fossilization can occur from a number of different things, but the most common form of fossilization is when somebody can actually get by using the language that they currently have and the people who are around them kind of forgive them of that. So this is very, very common. It, well, I mean, it's the same. That's me. That's Jeez, my Spanish really. life. That... <laughs> I, mean, I, it, I mean, I'm married to a Korean speaker. We have exactly the same problem in that there's some horrendous grammar coming out. Um, but because I've been living with it for like 18 years now, uh, then I know what I know. I, I understand perfectly what's yeah. being said. But then sometimes if we're out in public, I'm kind of like... <laughs> That probably didn't make much sense to the person that you said. <laughs> and, uh, you're having uh, we your own got, pigeon we got,
1: language going on. We've still
0: got some really good spoonerisms and things like that going on. So they're hilarious. Um, but explicit correction is very rare. Uh, if you're in an English-speaking yeah. country, like I am here in Australia, it's almost impossible for people on the street to correct somebody else's English. Like, it's just not for sure.
1: It's not co- it's, No.
0: It's, no, they feel it's, people it's a, feel rude doing it, uh, or yeah, people would never think about doing it. So they get by and they manage the conversation in a way that, even though there's obvious advantage for the, say, for the native speaker, that but you can still have the conversation. Even people with very limited English, the conversation still happens. But if you're in an EFL country, chances are the person you're talking to also sucks. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> So then you both suck equally, and then you, but that's, that's somehow okay. In By the fact, way, it's kind EFL, of the
1: EFL country means uh, English as a foreign language as opposed no, to as their native language. In, like, for example, Chinese people speaking to Koreans in Korea.
0: Yeah. Um, in, in that's English, right? That's pretty much. That's like the worst definition I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> really well at the least real I got def- the, the real the worst yeah the real definition is where english is spoken <laughs> as a foreign language is not used as an official language okay well that's pretty much what i said in, in a retarded way <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, well that's how i that's how i speak
0: yeah so so here, here in australia it will be english is what they call it english is an additional language
1: okay in, is in, that yeah, the new hard. term for it
0: I don't know. They make up a different term every week, <laughs> so they can
1: sell a new book. <laughs>
0: uh, probably it, yeah. You know, uh, it's it's a very PC thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, English is a second language. English is an additional language where we are. If you're in an EFL context like Spain, which is where you are, then um, you have actually a general, pretty decent general knowledge of English in the country at a basic level, just simply by proximity to Europe. Uh, and and with the, I would say it's more common a, in Korea, very, very similar culture. You, you really more in yeah. Korea, yeah. Well, I, I guess, like if you're going out
1: to shops, if you're going like just general tests, and I think it's more that in Korea they're more willing because we do look different and we're obviously yeah. foreigners and we're and yeah, yeah. so, um, and the cultures are so different, so there's more of a willingness to
0: help, uh, yeah, foreigners was a point, in English, I think, yeah, I Whereas think, in Spain, right. not so, so much. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's also more of a willingness to help foreigners who try to speak Korean badly, right? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, so you I say, "Come, yeah, Oh,
1: you yeah. speak Korean so well! Yeah, I should. Been, I've been here four best. years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's it. Yeah, those are the only words I know. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you right. need. The essentials.
1: That's all I need. Yeah,
0: the essentials. But um, one uh, of the things I, 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 I like, didn't know that, that about. Speech. One but, of the but things I've only so we can, to the tourist trap. So. Where did you go in Spain? Oh, I've been to Barcelona, uh been to the Canary Islands as well. Oh, nice. You didn't uh, steal a taxi, did you? Uh I did not. But no. maybe I should have. <laughs> no, that was Darren Till did
1: that like a few months ago. He went out Oh, was oh, it like, Darren
0: Till was it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just like the, the done thing to do when you got there was to steal <laughs> yeah, the tax. Until
1: they, steal oh, the hey, taxi did you steal the tax In right the hotel room?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he's a
1: scouser, so what do you yeah, expect? Yeah, what do you expect? <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. going back to the authentic material, there's plenty of resources nowadays with like podcasts, for example. Like you pick a yes. podcast, you can have general, genuine conversation and make a worksheet for it and take it to your classes. Yeah. Easy, easy, right?
0: I mean, the, the, the technology now that we have, uh, the con- connectivity, I mean, people even now in some of the most poorest areas of the world uh, could still get online and access authentic materials where even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, the most access somebody would have had would be a textbook Maybe uh, with, a, with a with a tape script in the back, with a CD which may or may not be missing, or a CD player which may or may not work. Right? I mean, we're still dealing now. I've got a PhD student uh, from Vietnam who's basically saying, like, you know, Vietnam is such a huge country now for for EFL it's like tipped to become the next China in terms of the numbers and uh, the potential mm. for it. But in terms of their access to materials is still very much like focused on textbooks. Um, and that's as like the sole form of input for like a whole country full of learners. Like, Indonesia also has, is very similar. There's pl- places in this country that are like so remote uh, on border towns, places like that, maybe places that have only just got the internet. But, like mm. the difference that it's made to the to the outlook and of the people and the outlook of the learners and then the kind of input and resources that they can get is just unbelievable i mean we it's not something you usually think about even in korea they've had that you know it's a very huge technological country. I had the fastest broadband ever I lived like in a rice paddy in the middle of nowhere the first year that I lived there right but I had like way faster broadband they ever had back home in Manchester. Right. England. <laughs> But uh, there's some of these places now that they finally got this broadband internet access and um, the sky really is the limit when it comes to the resources. But the thing is that what's missing still is that uh, the resources are there, but it's getting them to work in a way that actually contributes to language learning. So there's still very much a very passive uh, approach to a lot of the materials that are out there your podcast for example is great because it does it it, it's not just listen to me it you've got activities you've got worksheets things that consolidate all of the different uh language points that you're trying to make the different grammar points the vocabulary the phrases you're trying to put it all together into something meaningful so the next step is to get um is, is to to work with the technology more to explore options for genuine collaboration and interaction um so uh by live casting and things like that now are really taking off so instead of just downloading somebody's podcast watching these things in real time and commenting in real time is something that has only kind of been popular within the last five years or so because we finally got the technology to do it. So turning that into a kind of teaching and learning area or habitat is, is what a lot of people are looking at at the moment. Um, And another thing is to generate materials that cater for different proficiency levels as well is something that's, that's also really taking off and uh, also technology and um, automated feedback and Technology that allows for long-form writing is particularly something that's that's quite interesting to me these days. Uh, uh, short private online courses, MOOCs, Spox, these kind of things—all these acronyms have come about in the last few years, and um, it really is amazing now what we have access to. But I, there's still a lot of it. It still takes a teacher to turn it into something that you can actually use for language learning so kind of to bring uh, it alive right yeah i mean it's not like we're suddenly all out of a job there's uh it's that's i think the fear that
1: people have but as long as as you have people interaction like interaction with people you'll need people to be in there and to give motivation
0: yeah i mean the technology is no way there that i mean we saw what was it, last year or something, they had that big advert come out for the, the Google headphones that could translate everything in real yeah, time. Right. And then when people actually sat down and, and researched what it could actually do, they found it was pretty, pretty horrendous still in terms of its ability to handle anything over set memorized phrases for that demonstration. And then as soon as you get into... Uh, units above the clause level so where you're starting to build um, complex sentences and then these sentences lead into paragraphs that carry meaning. Soon as you get above the sentence level is where the translation software really starts to fall down. So say for example you're giving somebody very complex directions The software might figure out the first sentence but by the time you've got to the end of it the software will have probably giving you completely wrong directions to somewhere else i mean look no further
1: than uh, google translator
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's really bad i have a great example i don't know how it, i don't know if you can do like a screen share thing on this I, i, I maybe yeah. i'll look into it in a moment but the, i've got a great example on the academic writing course that i have i can uh, share my screen and six, you
1: can share your screen too
0: I think I can do it, yeah. So yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sign in here on my the um, the online writing course that I have. I think I can click it by doing this. Yeah, desktop maybe.
1: I, think. I would like to pick your brain too. There you go. You're sharing. Can
0: you oh, but um, I can't see. Oh, no, there no, I can see. Okay, you, can you see yeah. that? Okay, yeah. Okay, good. So I'm just logging in here into the online course that I run. I run two self- entirely self-constructed online courses for English for academic purposes uh, at my university. This was all built kind of pretty much by hand. Uh, it's a 13-week course uh, for academic credit. And one of the um, things that I look at uh, on my module on Corpora, for example, is what uh, dictionaries and translation websites can do and most of all what they can't do. So Google Translate comes up as one of the activities that I got here in that I get students to type in uh, a pretty standard phrase here in English for academic purposes, which is the data suggests that. Okay, so if you're doing any kind of research writing that involves data and you're presenting a graph or a table or some statistics or something, your paragraph is pretty much always gonna start with the data that. Now, when this is directly translated into uh, Mandarin, uh, we've got the expression here that you can see. But then straight away, when you copy this back into the translate window and translate this to English, it gives you a completely different expression. Mm. This just shows you that, I mean, these guys have spent billions of dollars on this. But if it can't do something as simple as this, then it shows you just how far away we are from this translation software being being any kind of use at all. As shown by data, A is grammatically incorrect, but also the data suggests there's a kind of hedging device where the writer is being careful not to make a claim that is easy to criticise. But as shown by data is a lot stronger in terms of the implication of, um, the strength of the claim that the writer's trying to make. So not only is the grammar wrong, but the actual, the kind of the motivation behind this phrase has been. The communication, the the, communication is different. So this is why you still need to talk to real people. Um, or you're not you're not going to be able to uh, uh, to do very much. So yeah,
1: that's it's very limited.
0: It's, um, I mean, it's it, it it's it has a purpose. Um, and right now, a lot of my job is one of my other jobs at the university is that of integrity officer. So, try, so I'm trying to use it to stop people cheating on their work, <laughs> which, which takes up a lot of my time. Yeah, to quote Joe
1: Rogan, you can't stop the internet. <laughs>
0: No, no, I think uh, if you look at Dante's "Inferno, I think people who commit fraud are somewhere down there near Satan. <laughs> uh, in terms of the, there's, there's different circles of hell, right? And near the top, you've got the kind of people who lied a bit, and then you've got the murderers, and below the murderers, closer to Satan are people who committed fraud. <laughs> uh, Dan, Dante saw fraud as like the, the most serious crime, because it Is that it true? Involves willfulness. Willful. Ah. So if, if I had the book to hand, I'd show you the mm. uh, the diagram. Maybe you could see. It, but, uh, I don't you might it know my now.
1: son's name is Dante.
0: Well, uh, that's a great yeah. name. Um, yeah. it, it, it's a pretty cool uh, cool name and a cool cool book. Thank I read it, it recently. Okay. Dante's Nice. I'll check it out.
1: it out. I will. Um, so, you I saw in there this corpus linguistics. So, mm-hmm. um, can you just give a uh, uh, like a
0: I've got my screen share thing I can actually show you what what an explanation going. of that
1: quickly and like yeah, how absolutely. we can apply this like in the classroom uh, in our classes with students how it will yeah. help become you know help us help in our conversation classes
0: yeah absolutely example. so what I've been doing for a while now is with pretty much my main research area at the moment is to look at alternatives to dictionaries and translation websites. And oh, something that has been quite popular over the last five or ten years is to use language corpora for this purpose as a language reference resource to replace dictionaries or translation websites. Um, the reason for this is because... Do you think it will? What cor- I believe that it's still not in the mainstream yet but it's something that it once it builds up and once we actually have the kind the better apps um, more functional websites and more simpler user interfaces, then I believe we really will get there um, so one of the things that corporate well if you don't understand what a corpus is, a corpus is basically a collection of, of texts um, either written or spoken and these can be in the millions tens of millions or even billions of words and what how these work for language learning and teaching is that say for example you have an expression like uh, the data suggest that right and you want to know what words could replace uh suggest in that expression then I could go to uh, corpus and I could enter the data and then put a little star where suggest is and then that. And then the corpus would then provide me with uh, many, many examples of uh, different expressions that would, re- would replace the word suggest uh, with, with lots of different options that I could use.
1: You mean in that specific context with the surrounding words? Because what's the difference between a corpus and a thesaurus, for example?
0: Well, let me, uh, what all of a thesaurus will do is it will give you similar words at a single word level. Uh, And these are linked by kind of conceptual categories like time, space, number, object, and things like that, and often these can also be slightly arbitrary as well. So what the corpus will do is it will give you the search results with enough surrounding context that you'll be able to figure out um, how the word is actually used, rather than what the word means. And this is what we're trying to get away from when we're talking about getting away from dictionaries. Very often when a language learner uses the dictionary, it will give them a definition. And uh, most cases, especially second language learners, the definition can be harder to understand than the actual word that you were looking for. So then you've got a real problem. So what corporate do, and here is what I'm going to try and share the screen with you to give you a couple of examples of how how this works out uh this is one of the easiest um corpus interfaces out there it's called the Skell platform if you just google scale s-k-e-l-l uh mm. it stands for sketch engine for language learning and it just pops up like this so something that i do uh, with my students right off the bat say for example i want to know what words go together uh, with the word research. I want to know how the word research is used in context. So what I'm going to do here is click in uh, research into uh, the website and it gives me 40 um, expressions taken from lots of different kind of genres or disciplinary areas about how the word research is used. Uh, not only that, but it gives me different variations of research as well. For example, researching, researched, and so on. And I can search for it whether it's a noun or a verb. So what I can do is I can spend time reading the different examples or can start to get more complex and try different functions such as the word sketch function here. So what this is, it's a very basic, uh, it provides me with some basic search results based on the corpus data that are, these are computational processes that will then use frequency and other measures that uh, tell us which words go together and which words don't go together with other words. Which is an important thing to
1: to mention (coughs) to your students is like that words, like oftentimes a word doesn't just sit by itself right there's usually prepositions that go along with it or that's it
0: so one of the biggest problems for example that second language learners have in english is is that of phrasal verbs right they're one of our most difficult kind of impossible things to get right because the rules that make these things up is pretty much completely arbitrary um The rules are actually, there is no such thing as grammatical rules, to be honest. In fact, what grammatical rules are, are merely statistical frequency effects of actual language in use. And the difference between native speakers and second language learners is native speakers have already internalized all of these statistics as a result of being exposed to millions, if not billions of words throughout their lifetime. Second language learners don't have access to this kind of resource. Um, so what a corpus does is it gives you the access to those millions and billions of words that you can query uh, so that you can see how these words go together and how they're used in different phrases. And that it, it's kind of in the same way that a native speaker would, would 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 think of these expressions. So it's speeding up the process greatly for making associations between words, looking at different grammatical patterns and so on. So what you can see here on the screen with research, for example, is I want to know what verbs can go together with research as a subject here, right? So I can have the research uh, suggests, research shows, research indicates, research reveals, and so on. So if you looked in the thesaurus, as you asked me before, for words like reveal, you might get these examples. But here I know that these examples are specific to research so then if i click on any one of these i can get examples of the word research together with suggests you can see here the color-coded results research plus suggest here and i can um see so that there's a the ton of part, examples a ton of examples i've got here research suggests uh what does research suggest it uh, suggests the social component of ritual it suggests cosmic dust might have skewed the results. So I'd like to see what paper that came from. It sounds pretty out there. It's like a Joe Rogan diet, right? Yeah, Jamie, pull that up. <laughs> pull that shit up. Cosmic dust. Jamie, pull up that
1: cosmic dust. Yeah,
0: here's one. Here's one for you. Bipolar one disorder runs in families. There you go. Yeah.
1: That's that's for you. That uh, is recent. me. No, it isn't. Yeah, what recent. are
0: you talking about? Yeah, that's it. Uh, Research suggests all mammals experience REM um, and so on. So, I mean, that's just one example. Then if I want to go and try indicate, I can click on that. um, And then it'll give me all of the different examples for research Uh, indicate. So uh, uh, research indicates the truth behind the observation. Research indicates cholesterol may act as an antioxidant, whatever. So, Then I could look up uh, verbs where I can have the verb and then research as the object. So in this case, I've got conduct research, undertake research, public research, publish research, and so on. And then I can look at different modifiers, adjective modifiers or modifiers of research. So here's scientific research. I can pull up all of these different examples. So it's what I'm doing here is in in doing this, I'm I'm able to query... um, so many different things about this one word that I've encountered. And from there, I can start my investigations. Okay, like what words go together with this word? How is how is this word used in, in real expressions and things like that? So, so this resource other things would I, just
1: be kind of more useful for people teaching more serious students who are really want to know the stuff, who have maybe they're going to university abroad, they're studying... In depth English. Yeah, I
0: mean, so far that is where most of the research has been done on on academic English for academic purposes, for example. But increasingly, what as this starts to replace people's approach to, say, dictionaries or translation websites, eventually what is happening is I've got a new book coming out uh, this month. Um, or certainly by next month, where we've gone ahead and used this software with young children, uh, children still in primary school level uh, or in high school, and they've gone ahead and begun to use this. And, I mean, I feel like all these days when it comes to technology, like my young niece just set up Snapchat. I don't know how it works. I I, I don't have a Snapchat. I don't want a Snapchat, right? <laughs> And, and then, like we we had to go with TikTok the other day. I don't even know what that is. That's just like the most stupid thing I've ever seen. Right, but that's just like an behind. ad that comes
1: up on my Instagram every once in a while. Yeah, that's all that's I know it. about I mean, TikTok. I,
0: I am I am way behind on this, but when we let these kids use this software. I mean, they just took to it. It was like mm. just so natural for them. They just went, wow, I, never, I didn't know we had this before. And now I can find out about any word I want. And these were How like old were these school kids. These were 10 or 11 year old kids. They were not in high school yet. They were in, in the upper grades of primary school and they were learning like essay writing for homework with a private tutor. And mm-hmm. we got the private tutor to train them on this software for like just five minutes at the beginning of their regular lessons. In the scale, they, it, yeah, in the scale. Uh, we also trained them on another one as well, where it's slightly more complicated, and they just went wild for it. And and now they're we're told that they they're continuing to use it throughout. And then all of the other studies in this book that are coming out as well kind of say the same thing.
1: What would so, be some um, like <coughs> a classroom idea that teachers could use to use something like scale in and like? in an activity in a class something that's engaging yeah. in an activity
0: Do you have anything okay. like that so, say for example that in your writing classes your writing classes have a lot of these old-fashioned gap fill exercises that show up in your textbooks right and you've got to fill in the answer and then when you filled in the answer that's it it's a done deal you never have to go back to that textbook again um you never have to go back to the exercise again. I mean, well done, you got the question right, but what did you actually win? You you don't win anything by doing these things. So what you could do is to replace that by getting students to search for the blank within the corpus and then seeing what's coming up. So for example, I I think I'm still doing the screen share here where I have put in uh, search for the data and I've added in a wildcard here, which is dot star in scale. And what it's doing here is it's it's filling in the blank for me with different variations of words that could come in where that blank is. So I've got here the data showed that, the data suggests that. Um, other ones like here, the data type, the data transfers, the data indicated. So here I can take your basic gap fill activity and turn it into something much more Uh, interactive, where students are going ahead and to search for things on their own. Um, The crucial point that we try to do with this approach is to provide students with the autonomy to look for things themselves. So they're not relying on the teacher for... Fill it for, for finding out what word to use or, or what are the different variations of this phrase that they can use. Rather, what the teacher is doing is training students to find the information for themselves so that they become more autonomous, which is uh, should be the goal of pretty much any language teacher. You, I mean, it, it kind of puts you out of a job, but what you really want is someone who can actually find out answers for themselves. And that's what yeah. this approach tries okay. to do.
1: I kind of say that. I say, like, as a teacher, I am pretty much trying to work myself out of a job, essentially. Yeah. I
0: mean, I, I'm, I've just made two online courses, which at my last job had like, would have had 30 different teachers teaching it face-to-face. Now, I have two teachers who do optional face-to-face. Hmm. Now, the face-to-face has become optional. The online components become compulsory because, in the end, this class is going to have uh, 500 students on it but I can't possibly meet them all, can't possibly give them the FaceTime they need. So taking it online is the only way to do it. It's the same thing that you're doing with your business.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of just changing the dynamic, you know, like the the invention of cars <laughs> doesn't, it kills the wagon industry, but it creates a whole new industry of, of yeah, mechanics.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean... Uh, not um, <laughs> a really bad analogy, and it's like too Look already. at
1: you killing all of my analogies and examples, and <laughs> I didn't understand
0: what what you, what's he what's going on about the wagon? Such, <laughs> the wagon such a you yank, know, you know, such an American. Such a, yeah. yeah, I can take a bull it. by the horn. A get take it done, a, <laughs> right.
1: take a bull by the horn. That's that's right. Hey, can we try this? So cool. I pulled up an exercise on. Um, <laughs> you have a little guest. I have a, uh, a little guest.
0: Come over here. Just say hi. Say Look at hi. The camera. Where so are we? you? Are okay. You're a big girl now.
1: Stand up. Is that Aaron? There's hey, Aaron.
0: Aaron. Little he Taekwondo girl. Yeah, we've seen your Taekwondo. How good it is. <laughs> and you're going to be eight in November, aren't you? Yeah. What belt? Oh. What belt are you? What belt are you now? She's green belt with blue tips. Aha! So that nice. means the next, the next level up is blue belt. Is blue belt. So ra- nice. racing through, nice racing through, aren't you? Yeah,
1: a whole yeah. trained okay. killer family.
0: That's it. Well, I'm gonna continue this chat, so you can sit down there and play. Or I'm talking to my friend. <laughs> See you later. I'm close the door, please.
1: <laughs> I won't keep you that much longer. Uh, that was cool. Okay. Let's uh. Let's practice this. I just pulled up a a like a, fill, a gap fill exercise, but this is grammar gap fill, so it's on conditionals. Would it be better that I find a uh,
0: no? No, I mean let's let's see what it is that you've got, and we'll see if we can we can do something to. Uh, they're
1: very simple verbs, and
0: okay, if I something go out tonight. All right, so what we could do here is we could maybe use a wild card, for example, and replace go. Um with the wild card, and then we can then see um, different variations that might fill that slot so so I should I you,
1: open up another tab with uh, with what's it called
0: the scale oh. so it's just type in s k e l l into Google, and it'll be the first thing that pops up.
1: Okay, so you can kind of walk me through doing this.
0: Yeah. So uh, what was the clue again if you go back to the exercise? If I something go out tonight. So uh, go, go into scale and type in if I, and then have a dot star.
1: A dot star? Yep. Like
0: this? Yep, and then another space, and then try out. We won't put tonight because it may not give us any results. The longer the string you have, the less chance you might get results in it. Sure, that makes sense. So let's see what – usually when you put in a wildcard, it may take a little bit of time with scale to find examples. And sometimes if you do have a phrase that is not – okay, there we go. So we do have at least a couple of examples.
1: Okay. Um, So
0: we've got if I go out, but – these are different expressions here. If I find out anything, if I get out in, uh, if I'm out of town, if I find out, if I come out, for example. So we're so this is example. just
1: looking at different phrasal verbs without.
0: Uh, in this case, yeah. So yeah. Um, that's what it's got. Okay. <laughs> so let's
1: try um,
0: gap. Fill vocabulary exercises.
1: hmm
0: So we have the first what sentence. Is uh, that? I will. You come and sit over here.
1: My birthday is beep November 20th. Well, that's a different kind of vocabulary.
0: Yeah, but I mean, so, you could still find out what the answer is here. Okay. Um, most likely if the corpus big enough, like if, for example, if you've got their school starts and then you put in school starts dot star, you would find out what the answer would be.
1: Okay. School starts. So yeah, the way to search it is dot star.
0: Yeah. Well, that that's where you got the that's where the gap would be.
1: Nice. <clears throat> okay,
0: searching. you may you may want to click on the main uh, on the main thing because it will it's going to keep doing that search. So if you click here uh, where it's where it says scale in the top corner there, it'll like take to, you back to the main menu. Go back to, now. You, okay. Now you can search for the thing. So type in "school starts" and then a uh, space with dot star. Press the. Uh, and then should I so put in the time? No, no. If you put in the no. time, it it's going to be, be maybe too, too, specific, too, specific, too specific, and then it won't give it won't find what it is that you're looking for. So we got here "school starts." But you can see here it has it hasn't found. Oh, because you you haven't put the star. So what it's found is is "school starts" with the full stop there.
1: Okay, that do uh, it. so that's like at the end of the sentence.
0: Yeah, I... so you may need to go back again to the main menu. Okay. No, it's going to keep doing that that loop where it's searching. So, school starts dot star. Let's okay. try that. And then that should. It's taking okay. away that star. All yeah. right, it's been a little bit weird. So, there's no answer here that it's given yet. So that one might be a bit of an odd case.
1: That might be but, an odd case.
0: Yeah. But uh, something else we could try, for example, is uh, the scale one is, is pretty good, but there's also lots of other platforms. For example, the uh, Sketch Engine uh, open platform is pretty good. And this is one that I'm using in my, uh, <coughs> in my uh, work at the moment. I'm just going to share the screen with you here.
1: Okay, I'm searching it too. But yeah, we can uh, check it out.
0: So what I'm going to do is uh, this is the, the the website here, the Sketch Engine website, and I'm going to click on Open Corpora to get into the the free version of this. That's always good. So here there's an academic corpus, an academic written corpus, academic spoken corpus, and a, as well as a general corpus as well.
1: So this is, uh, I think, this is very new technology. So once we get the bugs out and things like that, I think it could be a very rich tool.
0: So this is the thing. I mean, to learn moment, how language works been, within a sentence—that's it, it. The data is there, and. The software is there, but at the moment, the, the one thing that's missing is still that nice user interface to make it more work. So it's like the difference between, like back before we had smartphones, basically. Like you remember you used to have the phone, like the Matrix phone that like did the flip, and like a green screen, things like that. And then one day, the like the iPhone came out and it's like everything changed overnight. Just changed, right? yeah. So, we're, so we're, we're still waiting for that that killer app that that's going to, turn this into something that everyone uses but so far i mean i've done studies now with over like 500 participants all using this and pretty much everyone is positive about about it and met so many people as soon as they get started using it they just never go back to their dictionaries or translate translation websites anymore
1: including word reference word reference is powerful they yeah, need a I mean, big a big marketing team i think yeah the car- sure. corpora websites
0: so I'm having problems with my Australian internet here, which is famous for being really bad. Certainly, <laughs> the world no
1: Korea, is it?
0: Yeah, no, it's it it's really hit or miss. So, um, may have to leave this one for another day. We'll save
1: that, that for another day, and we'll make a another separate day. video for specifically dedicated. You can stop sharing your screen. Yeah. That's um. Great. So we'll make a separate video one day. Uh, specifically. You know, preparing things for the corporate and deciding how we can and seeing how we can use these in the classrooms.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I can put something together, no problem.
1: Okay. Perfect. Um, just, uh, one other thing before we leave. Uh, what other, do you have any other kinds of, uh, activities based on your data that we can kind of use in our classes, uh, for writing, for example, uh, or? Or speaking conversation, any kinds of activities that you think that are kind of your go-to activities. mm, I know it's been um, a while since you've taught in the ESL classroom, but
0: yeah, brush something. I guess um, something that um, I'm doing a lot at the moment in terms of writing, for example, is I'm getting I'm using uh, other kinds of technology now to get students to um, annotate um, text for genre features for example so annotate that, text
1: for genre features
0: yeah so what does mean? one of the one of, one of the things that um i find students lack knowledge of generally is different genres of writing so very often at university for example we get the vast majority of students who come in they've done their high school writing if at all because you have to remember in many countries they don't actually write anything in the writing classroom i mean in in korea when we were there and it's the same in china same in japan as well you ask they're not actually right when they have the writing classes they don't actually write anything all they do is they write to pass exams and this very often doesn't include any kind of long form writing at all so when i lived in hong kong they actually had to do writing, like long-form writing as part of the high school test, so the students there were generally much better. But when the students arrived at university, what was happening is that they were not able to... go outside of the English for academic purposes lessons and take part in their disciplinary lessons like their subjects, their majors for example, because they weren't aware of the different kind of genres that are used in those different disciplines and uh, across different disciplines, say the arts and humanities, the social sciences, physical sciences, life sciences, there's lots of different kinds of writing that take place throughout the university, but the vast majority of second language English students have only ever written essays before as soon as they see something that's not an essay they have no idea how to write it or they don't know where to begin they don't know how it's structured they don't understand the language features or anything related to that Like articles,
1: letters, (laughs) emails, things like that.
0: I mean, those are some of the more basic ones, but at the university level, um, students are asked to do quite a lot of different types of more advanced writing. So for example, if you're in the sciences, one of the things that you're asked to do very frequently is something called a methodology recount, where you do an experiment and then you have to write up that experiment in terms of describing very carefully what it is that you did. And um, that, can be very difficult if you've never done one before so what i try to do in my english for academic purposes classes is to, to train students in how to recognize that a given text is from a particular genre to to look at the different language features that that make up that genre and to look at what the writer is trying to do and then hopefully from then they figure out how to to structure and put together one of these things by themselves so one of the things I can show you here um, on this screen is a little bit of a description here about, say, the methodology recount. And uh, at the moment, uh, my students are going to do this next week. So what they're going to do is I've got here um, an example text, which is built into some um, special software that we use at the, uh, the university. And what this does uh, is I've got one of these methodology recount texts here. And then I give some guiding questions to students that they will answer. So the first thing they're going to do is try and skim read over this. I don't expect them to understand it in any way. The chances are they're not going to do that. But what I want them to understand is how it's constructed. So I'll ask a question like here, for example, how do you know this is a methodology recount from the introduction? Annotate any sections of text from the introduction that signal what genre this is. Uh, Question B, how and where does the writer describe what was done and explain the findings? How does the writer recognize the limitations of the procedure? How and where does the writer make suggestions about best practice? So then what students will do is they'll find these things in the text, highlight it, and then they'll type in their explanation here for what they found. So they say, this is a description of the uh, the general process and then they might uh, talk about some of the different constructions that are um, present in here so something is produced by and then so that kind of uh, expression might be particularly common in in this kind of genre then they'll click OK and then it'll show up and this is in your writing course. Done this, it's in the writing course, yeah. So I when students have done this, I can see all of their different answers. And then I can comment on what they got right or what they didn't do so well. So this week, for example, they've been doing uh, ones on the uh, something called the critique. And uh, here they gave a critique on... Um, philosophy of all things and uh i can see here all of the students responses over the week when my internet starts to work and uh, these these are the, the different areas that the students have highlighted so
1: so we could do something like this in our classes just with paper and different colored pencils or pens we well, could do it
0: paper or color right. different colored pens but uh find that the i mean what we've got here is our own like specific thing that was made by a university but before we had this where well, every everything I was doing was on Google Drive so I was yeah. opening up a Google doc and asking students to do the same thing and giving students a shareable link with which they could then go ahead and do the task so Are I've got a Google ton of these
1: classrooms guides. for this too
0: You can do Google Classrooms, Google Classroom, what that does, it just is what I'm what you're looking at here is Blackboard, which is where the different things are stored. Google Classroom is basically a replacement for that, uh, should you need one. So I've got here, for example, um, a link to a Google Doc, I've set up the instructions for the students here. And then I've shared the link, and given the link to all of the students. So then what they do is they can go ahead and read this and try to work out. Um, this task is they've got uh, an essay, which is not particularly very good. So then they go ahead and read it and try and work out why it wasn't good. And then they can post comments using the comments function to tell me, you know, why it was mm. bad. So um, this oh, works that, similarly. That's a great idea to, to do, to do be, for your uh, one-on-one one on classes. You. So any kind of long form writing task this stuff is absolutely perfect because if you've got it open and the students got it open you can see what the student's doing in real time mm. and then you can provide feedback on their work almost as they're writing it oh yeah uh, you can you can highlight things that they were doing well or you can highlight put an indirect comment and say you know have you thought about this or is this structured correctly or maybe Maybe there's more information you need here. Um, What you can do with this stuff is is really, really very useful. So I got a ton of these exercises all kind of built up on here um, that students can uh, see and do. Uh, This is one for systemic functional linguistics, for example. So they get different kinds of text and they have to annotate these texts for different kind of features, trying to figure out what the text's about and uh, what the different language features are. So one is a, a children's story. The other is a, an interview between an applicant and a human resources manager. The, the first one's a film script. You just have these uh, fixed on Google Drive. Give the links to the students and then uh, they can, you can continue reuse these exercises as many times as you want
1: google drives is a great resource for one-on-one online classes i use those all the time and this is a great addition that i'm gonna do in my next my next time we do reading especially or practice writing is labeling like highlighting uh, so, using the suggestions feature and highlighting different parts and labeling yeah, what it, it is. Re-
0: it, really ma- it really makes reading tasks that much more interactive because of the different functionality students can highlight. They can leave comments. You can leave comments on the writing that they're doing. You can comment on their comments. Uh, mm. And then it's all there as a record, of like a permanent record of of. Say what the students done. You can chart, start charting students' development over time, for example. You, you can give them, you can set this, span this out over multiple drafts of work. Um, so much you can do. Perfect.
1: Well, you can uh, stop sharing your screen.
0: I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> I don't know. She's <laughs> looking through your material. Look at that. You're looking at my book, right? <laughs> S- studying IELTS. Yeah, all right. You do that. You got to prepare for that. Yes, uh, you got to prepare now. Get started young.
1: <laughs> that's Start it. Started young.
0: You got to prepare. Those IELTS aren't getting yeah, any simpler. That's it. That's it. No, no, it's it. Uh, the, lem- you'll be doing the listening test pretty soon. <laughs> and and failing at it like all of us
1: native speakers.
0: I'm so <laughs> bad at it. I once came with you the asked IELTS, me- you
1: can only listen once, right?
0: Uh, you can yeah. I, as far as I know, um, I remember Cambridge once asked me to write listening items for the test, and it was just so hard. I could not do it. Uh, yeah. All the different things you have to remember, like writing the questions, is so hard. Like uh, getting the distractor question, for example. Uh, oh, it's it's really hard. Because it's got to be close, that, but,
1: and it seems almost unethical be. in a way
0: yeah it's it's close but it's not quite right
1: yeah
0: but that's really hard to do really very hard to do so i couldn't do it i i can write the speaking and writing stuff all day long but listening and reading is like a whole other beast they have they have like very weird people who work for them who can do that
1: (laughs) i'm not one of them yeah no that's another level uh, uh Let me share it. I took some notes during our, our speech. So I'm going to share those or during our conversation. So mm-hmm. here we go. So uh obviously listening for exams is different than listening in conversation. That's an important Definitely. thing to know Definitely. for your classes and for yeah. your, you know, these Cambridge listening and identify the right speaker and what the, that's not real that's not real it's not real
0: what you'll get is you get students who come up to you and they say jesse teacher how do i how how can i improve my listening and what you need to ask is okay but what are you listening for you listening for a test or do you want to learn how to actually listen to conversation that's
1: true and do you just want to listen to videos youtube videos or movies or do you want to have actual conversations
0: The approach that you're going to take is going to be completely different depending on what the answer to that question is. So,
1: and that's that's something good for teachers to remember. Like, ask that question: Why do you want yeah. to? What listening what, do, you what do you want to, to listen? practice? But, I mean, you should, even I mean, you
0: speaking should, too. You should do that for anything. Um, yeah. For for writing, absolutely, You've got to do it. Uh, speaking as well. It, it people often say, "How how do I how do I learn writing? How do I get better at writing?" I, my first question is what what what, do you, do, you do? what kind of do you want to write? A Facebook post, you know, um, uh, and authentic even, even material. That. Yeah, authentic material. Authentic. So, and again, this is something that the corpus software does. In that, the corpus software, the 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 data itself is taken from naturally occurring language in real text. So it's. The, one of the whole mm. selling points behind that approach is that instead of being like a dictionary definition or a, a textbook example that's been simplified in some way for for example it's authentic real text so you're getting the real English from it um, but in terms of listening as well, um, real conversations that that mm. that contain these different stages of the conversation they contain strategies for repairing conversations keeping conversations going when the other person isn't sure
1: follow up questions
0: do, these kind of thing how how uh, how to repair something when the other speaker isn't making any sense for example I mean, for example you're not, when they give you're not making any bad examples and illustrations <laughs> like, of things how do you handle that like, how yeah. do you handle that you just the, the strategies to ridicule the guy you <laughs> made <them>. and <laughs> no,
1: they stop uh and another but no authentic material for conversation podcasts are great like joe rogan's podcast they if really you're are. into they anything really like that yeah. neil degrasse tyson has an excellent podcast if you're in your yeah. students are into technology yeah
0: and use but I, technology I say for that, you that these should be podcasts though that it's very easy to get overwhelmed by the complexities of the language so there there needs to be there should be a greater emphasis on podcasts where the language is um appropriate for the level of the student that's not always easy to get because it's very easy to just throw yourself in on a podcast that is way above your level and you can listen to that for the rest of your life and you're still not going to get it so i don't know you i kind of I can think be, try to be selective over the podcast that that you do that you do tune into. I think what would be more, I mean, you
1: <laughs> tell me what you think, but I think a more important thing is a podcast of content that is interesting to the listener. To the, of course, yeah. because you, there's
0: uh, so, so many different pieces of the puzzle that that have to be right. Uh, so I'm just talking purely about the language aspect of it. Uh, You can have uh, something that's very straightforward and easy to listen to, but if it's not going to grab your attention... not going to sit there and listen to it of course and the length
1: i think length size does matter in some things and uh yeah. i think I mean, I, like you wouldn't know about that. that <laughs> no i wouldn't know at all <laughs> yeah. and, and uh short pieces like YouTube's great for that they take short five yeah. minute segments and those are great to they listen do. to they do
0: i mean we we even had a like on our when we were making the videos for my online writing course for example the role was not nothing more than three minutes yeah that's Nothing great. Three because um anything longer than that it just becomes an exercise so yeah uh
1: so use technology for you like podcasts like these uh corpus website uh yeah, corpus it, programs so like, like up any up technology so like it's here use it in the classroom for us yeah. um and check out these corpus like skill to get a deeper understanding of the language we will have a, i will invite peter and i'll invite you right now for the future a future like video apart from the podcast so we can yeah. prepare yeah, we'll and look more in depth to we'll scale
0: something together uh with scale and with uh sketch engine open as well uh we'll show you some of the uh the tricks that you can use to answer some of the questions that you might have about language
1: yeah and i love how it, it looks deeper at not just a word but the word surrounding a word which that's is it. so I important.
0: Mean, this, this is something that the dictionary cannot give you. It's no. something that the the translation website cannot do for you. So you're replacing the your go to resources like your translation websites, and, and you're replacing it with something better.
1: With something better, and that's the thing.
0: Another some other things
1: to remind your students that we use the word rules. I hate the word rules with grammar too because there's always an exception, and then students will call you. But you told me this rule.
0: Well, there are no rules. Teachers, get the word rules out of your vocabulary with students. That's right. I mean, these the frequency is based on on use over time. There's a lot of a lot of research that shows you know. For example, you get a lot of words that stop being used over time, right? And you also get yeah. words that start being used over time. Um, so one of my favorite ones, for example, if I. Like
1: Google, I, for example.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Google's an obvious one. I'm going to use a little uh, share screen again thing with you very quickly here. This okay. is something called the Google Engram Viewer, which again works. It's like a corpus of Google books. So one thing that um, I see uh, changing over time between over the last kind of 200 years is a drop in the use of the word shall. Yeah. So from the 1800s, shall was reasonably frequent in the corpus here. Uh, and then you see its uses continuously dropped over time. Hmm. So this the same. You can get this for vocabulary. It's also the same for grammatical rules as well. Um, I'm reading a book to my daughter at the moment, it's written by Enid Blyton. I think it's called The Naughtiest Girl in the School. But um, lots of people know Enid Blyton's stories. They're pretty famous around the world. That's fine. Yeah, okay. Uh, but what's, <laughs> interrupt me. <laughs> very soon, very soon.
1: That's right. Last time, Sophia was in here interrupting. I know, so that's it. Takes it's one to just, give one.
0: Two dads, right? What can you there do? you go. What can yeah. you do? It's not like that BBC guy where the kid comes kind of rolling in like this. <laughs> and then and the then woman the mom, to, like, <laughs> run, yeah. still makes me laugh when I see that. Me too. Yeah. Now, um, um, but I was saying, yeah, um, these these rules are not set in stone. They change constantly and there are even grammatical constructions like in this story that I was reading, like we wouldn't say that today. It's yeah. so yeah. out of date. And it's just, and a lot of that the usage is contained everywhere around you the language that you're exposed to and and it's the the frequency of the times that you're exposed to these things that is making the language that everybody speaks today yeah that's that's the point you're trying to make there in your uh, in your slide and that's what I was trying to get at before
1: yeah i mean these notes are based on what you've talked about so that's <laughs> that's yeah, good so that's that's <laughs> lucky that <isn't> <laughs> <laughs> yeah we didn't just uh, so, make them up no uh <laughs> and so but teachers it'll save you a lot of headache to get the word rules out of your vocabulary especially Absolutely. when a student yeah. tries to catch you and they say yeah
0: but What's you said this yeah. Yeah. you set the rule yeah that's it and there it's like no well rule. uh there are no rules there are no so rules. Uh, it's like no, the road no you know? <laughs> uh, <it, laughs> and
1: Children are are going to be, I know it was a little uh, we
0: make extreme glitchy rules.
1: today. We are going to make extreme, extreme
0: rules. Extreme rules.
1: Extreme rules for your English yeah. classes.
0: Okay, yeah. Um.
1: And ch- it was a little glitchy today, but we're going to have this under control. And uh, Peter has assured us that children are able to use the corpus, and it's very intuitive, Absolutely. and it's only getting better, as uh, anything with technology.
0: That's it. So one thing we're going to do very soon is we're going to try to take this to uh, teacher training schools in Indonesia and Korea, train the teachers in the use of this, and then we're going to go off and let the teachers go into the schools and see what happens. Uh, It's going to be a really cool experiment uh, that's coming up uh, next year. Awesome. Um, And...
1: And as far as teaching writing, writing is a difficult thing to teach. And I don't think a lot of people are trained, as Peter said, like they're not trained in teaching writing. We don't know how to teach writing. And one thing that you can do is like Peter said, if you have to go back and listen or watch this, that part again, train students to identify genres of writing and then kind of reverse. Let me know if I'm I'm butchering this explanation of it too. And then reverse engineer the parts of, of what they, they studied, what this, you know, yeah. in the student's writing.
0: That's perfect. Yeah, and that's a pretty good way to describe it. But then you're going to have to explain reverse engineer. to the Sure. So, <laughs> yeah. But then that's, that's where the corpus comes in useful because you can type in reverse engineer and give yourself 40 examples of what that means. There you go. You know what it means, right? There you go. It's like a lesson within the lesson. It's it's uh, very meta right now.
1: And what's perfect, I use it all the time for my one-on-one classes and also in some classroom classes, Google Docs, to identify and do this yeah, work together. I mean,
0: it's just a, that's, that's really a no-brainer. And that's a no-brainer. Um, it's a no brainer, so it's great for your one on one class. There it is. <laughs> There's <laughs> so not no-brainer. one
1: brain in the lesson.
0: <laughs> you know, speak for yourself. In, you know, I your, am. Your students may be very smart. I don't know. You don't want to disparage your own students. Right? No,
1: that's true. It was more commentary yeah. of myself. Okay.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. No, Google Docs, uh, um, I mean, it's just such a lifesaver, especially if you're in any kind of situation where you're in a class. You've got 50 students. You can't possibly hope to get around them all in an hour. So you get them writing using the Google Docs. You can see them doing collaborative writing tasks, for example. So you put five kids in group A, five kids in group B, separate templates for each of the group. Then the kids are working on their own template. And then you can see them updating it in real time. You can also see that one group who's not doing anything so that you can throw something at the table or... <laughs> You give them an elbow drop yeah. or something, <laughs> and the leg drop. Give them an uh, angle the slam. Put them put them through the table. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tell Devon to go get the schools. table. Yeah, that's it. So, so there is that. No, um, that's a
1: great that's a great use. I'm actually gonna do that. Yeah, yeah have Google Docs yeah, we, for we like that. small groups.
0: One of one of my favorite activities that I show in my second language writing lessons is uh, we actually you can also do this with PowerPoints as well, where you can group edit PowerPoints and I have like a Wikipedia template as a PowerPoint. And then I get six different groups and they're writing, they're each given a separate topic to write about. So it'll be, it's about our master's program. So one will do like uh, extracurricular activities. One will do one about the professors. One will do one about the the lessons, for example. So they all do their separate pages, but then they all link to each other's pages as well. Hmm. So by the end of it, we've got like a complete mini Wikipedia that is about our program that the students have written by themselves. And then they've collaborated within their groups to do these things. Then they also collaborate with the other groups to figure out what they were doing. And it just leads to a, a really useful whole class wow. activity that couldn't That's cool. have been done without the technology.
1: Yeah. Your students seem a lot more motivated than most of my students here.
0: Um, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But it's the it's the fact that they'll they'll be put in a situation where they do not have to sit and listen to me for two hours straight. Nobody wants that. Least of all me. Um, So I'll be talking maybe 15 minutes at the beginning and then it's all on them from that point on. Very nice. That's that's what you want. Yeah, Uh, that's learning. Check my stock on the phone, uh, (laughs) you know. See how much money I'm making today. Oh, we're losing. Student asked me a question. I'm like, hey, I'm checking my stock. What do you want? (laughs) Get get on with the task, you know?
1: Get to your work. Okay.
0: Well, The the evals are still good, so whatever.
1: (laughs) That's the important thing, right? That's it, right? Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you. Uh, I've taken way more of your time than I'd planned to, but it was all rich, rich content. So thank you for that.
0: no worries i will set up that other date later
1: totally definitely because i do want to find more about that about the corpus
0: very good okay well uh let me know how it goes see how many viewers you get Uh, anything more than the usual two or three (laughs) then where i mean
1: double would be uh, awesome
0: let's get into the double digits (laughs) okay
1: all right uh anything you want to say before
0: we leave Not right now, man. So uh, I've got to put these kids to bed, actually. Okay, sounds good. All right, thanks, Peter. Yeah, no worries. Have a good one. Bye. See ya.
1: A special thanks to Peter for joining me and joining this episode. Uh, A lot of useful information in that episode. A lot of information. So if you have to go back and listen to parts of it, I apologize. Some of it was more visual because it was just showing me some things on the Corpus uh, website. But, or the platform, but if you are curious, I will be posting videos of these parts on the YouTube channel, so you can go check that out if you are curious. It was a little rough in, in audio form, I'm sure, but I'm, you know, we're working on this. It's a learning process, right? Um, he was roasting me a bit on there. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? <laughs> I'm going to have to get him back when, uh, when he comes back on. But if you want, I will have him back on, especially for you teachers who are more technical and take a more technical approach than, let's say, I do, or more a more technical approach than maybe, um, well, practical approach. I don't think those are quite opposites. But uh, thank you again for Peter for doing that. Uh, I'm gonna have other teachers coming on and sharing their stories and their Lesson ideas and I'm really excited about that in the coming weeks. We'll have teachers about early childhood education in the EFL classroom talking about high school talking about exam Prep and making that fun and dynamic So if you are or know an EFL teacher and English as a foreign language or English as a second language teacher then um, then pass the word along. Other than that, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. There are uh, full episodes of the the, uh, the podcast in video form. I'm posting the complete ones on Sweet Academy, and those will be behind the paywall. You will; Those will be available to pro members. That's just another extra bonus for you guys. Anyway, my time with you is over. This was a longer episode than normal, but uh, a lot of good stuff. Remember, to teach is to learn twice, so get out there and learn something. I don't think that should be my tagline. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. i mm-hmm.